all you have. You are now tuned in to Parker Swayze. So just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's going on, Star Wars family? How is everyone doing today? I hope everyone is doing good. Same old stuff on my side of the galaxy, you know, work, life, coronavirus, stuff like that. I don't like to be the bearer of bad news, but I just found out that they are pushing back the filming date for the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi Star Wars series. It was supposed to start in August, but now it won't start till January. Another way that the coronavirus is messing things up. But there is some good news to go along with the bad. The good news is they just hired Joby Hero to write the scripts for the series. He is known for John Wick Chapter 3, Parables, Edge of Tomorrow, and The Flash. So he's a pretty good writer. Okay, enough about that. Let's get to the quote for this week. And I thought that the way everything was going in the world, this would fit good. It comes from Shimmy Skywalker. And she said, you can't stop change any more than you can stop the sun from setting. She actually says suns, but that only applies if you live on a planet with multiple suns. And since we don't have multiple suns, I thought it would be okay to change it to sun. Okay, okay, enough with all that. Let's get to chapter 13. And there's a lot of good information in this chapter. So let's get to it. Clan Ordo's victory celebrations continued late into the night. Six members of the clan, four men and two women, had died in the battle. A quarter of the casualties they had inflicted on Clan Gendry. Vila had ordered all 30 bodies to be gathered together into a massive funeral pyre. Revan understood this mixing of friend and foe. They were all Mandalorians who had died in battle. By custom, they were all to a warrior's funeral, regardless of which clan they had been fighting for. The pyre burned for hours, the flames lighting the night and warming the camp as the brothers and sisters of the fallen recounted tales of their bravery. They honored their memories through song and feast, simultaneously grieving their deaths and celebrating the resounding Ordo victory. The ale flowed freely, but Revan had limited himself to a single mug. Because he had fought with Clan Ordo, he was entitled to join the revelry. But though he knew their customs, he wasn't Mandalorian. It was difficult for him to rejoice in the loss of comrades, no matter how honorable their deaths may have been. Revan was also wary of what Vila might do now that she knew he was a Jedi. Hopefully she just thought he was an anonymous rogue master. If she knew who he really was, there could be trouble. Many Mandalorians despised the Jedi, and Revan in particular. Revan had been responsible for countless Mandalorian deaths, and he had stolen and hidden Mandalore's mask an act some considered a war crime. Considering Vila's fierce pride in her people and her culture, she probably wouldn't simply forgive and forget. Fortunately, it seemed like she wasn't aware of his true identity. Over the course of the evening, Edric and several others came over to speak with him, making a point to include him in the clan festivities. Everyone seemed to know he had drawn the fire of the enemy basilisks, allowing the pilots to reach their mounts. Interestingly, though, None of them knew any of the details of what had occurred out beyond the edges of the main battle. Obviously, Vila had sworn the other pilots to secrecy. He should have taken that as a good sign, but he kept catching glimpses of Vila and the other pilots watching him suspiciously. They might not know he was Revan, but they knew he was a Jedi, and that clearly bothered them. He wasn't sure if Vila had ordered them to stay silent out of respect for what he had done during the battle, or because she thought they still needed him to find Mandalore's mask, or even because of her feelings for Candorus. But whatever the explanation, his secret seemed safe. For now. 
when he finally climbed into bed late that night, he was surprised to hear Candorus come stumbling into the tent a few minutes later. I thought you'd be with Vila. She's not too happy with me right now, Candorus explained. I'll let her cool down for the night. Sorry about that. You did what you had to, his friend answered as he settled into his sleeping bag. Sooner or later it was going to come out anyway. How bad is this? Vila doesn't like Jedi, Candorus admitted. But she's hard to read. Hopefully she'll just hold a grudge for a few days. The big man rolled over onto his side. Either that, or she'll try to kill us on tomorrow's climb. Revan couldn't tell if he was joking. The weather in the morning was the same as every other morning on Rekiad. Freezing cold, with fierce winds and swirling snow that limited visibility. Revan had been hoping for a calm, clear day so they could use the basilisks to fly them up to the top. But even here at the base, unexpected gusts had enough strength to almost knock him off his feet. Higher up, the wind shear and lack of visibility would make an attempted landing on the summit suicidal, even for the most skilled pilots. Dangerous as it was, climbing to the top was the only real option. Bad conditions for an ascent, Candorus remarked as they stood at the base of the first spear. This is as good as it gets, Vila said. If you're scared, I'll get Edric to take your place, and you can watch over the camp. The old man would probably have a heart attack halfway up, Candorus answered with a grin. He's only a year older than you, Vila pointed out. But I'm like fine wine, he replied. I get better with age. The playful exchange eased some of Revan's concerns about the mission, though he still wasn't thrilled by the makeup of the climbing team. There were eight of them in total. Revan, Candorus, Vila, and the five other basilisk riders, including Grizzer, the young man who'd given up his mount to Candorus. Vila's picks made a certain amount of sense. Going after Mandalore's mask was a great honor, and the basilisk riders were among the most respected warriors in the clan. The only other person who might have been included was Edric, but he had been chosen to stay behind to lead Clan Ordo in case Vila and the others never came back. Yet Revan couldn't help noticing that all the climbers chosen knew he was a Jedi. And Edric, Candorus's oldest and most loyal friend, was being left behind. He wished he'd had a chance to talk to Candorus before they'd left. Now all he could do was keep his guard up throughout the ascent, just in case. They broke into two teams of four. The members of each team connected by a long length of climbing rope. Candorus, Revan, and two of the pilots made up the first group. Vila and the other three pilots the second. In addition to their winter clothing and gear, each climber had a 20-kilo pack of supplies and rations strapped across his or her shoulders. The two teams began their ascent simultaneously, moving along parallel paths up the sheer vertical surface of the wall of ice that made up the spear's face. Each meter of progress was earned only by hacking into the ice, chipping away with a sharp-ended pick to create a small hold for a hand or foot, then hammering a braced pulley into the wall to secure the climbing rope. The pattern was repeated again and again. Progress was slow and exhausting. A single misstep could send a climber plunging to a quick and gruesome death. Theoretically, the ropes and pulleys connecting each team should allow the other three members to bear the weight if one should fall. But none of them was inclined to test the theory. A 
After only 50 meters, the roaring wind was already strong enough to rip away their voices, forcing them to communicate with simple hand gestures. Despite the cold, Revan was sweating heavily beneath his layers of clothing, his body warmed by the steady physical exertion as they battled their way meter by painful meter toward the top. At least he was safe from Vila for the time being. The difficult climb required total focus and concentration from every climber as they worked in concert to reach the peak. Even if the Ordo pilots were plotting against him, they simply wouldn't be able to try anything until they reached the plateau at the top. At the start of the climb, the summit was invisible, lost in the swirl of snow and clouds. But by the fifth hour, they had risen above the worst of the storm, giving them their first glimpse of the Spears Peak, illuminated by Rekiad's pale orange sun. They were well over halfway to their goal, but exhaustion and fatigue were beginning to impede their progress. As the altitude increased, the air became thinner, leaving all the climbers panting and gasping. The pack strapped to Revan's back seemed to have doubled in weight. He could feel the straps digging into his shoulders, even through his clothes. But there was little to do except ignore the pain and concentrate on the climb. Vila's team was about 50 meters ahead. Suddenly, one of their riders lost his footing and slipped. He dropped 10 meters before the ropes abruptly stopped his fall, leaving him dangling helplessly at the end of the line. The abrupt stop had jerked his backpack partially around, twisting the shoulder straps so that his arms were partially pinned behind his back. Combined with the howling winds buffeting him back and forth, he was unable to re-establish a grip on the mountain. Vila and the others began the slow and careful process of climbing back down to help him. It took about two minutes for Revan's team to draw level with Vila and her crew as they backtracked to rescue the wayward climber. Realizing the situation was under control, Revan's team pressed on toward the top. Five minutes after the fall, Revan glanced back down to see that all four of Vila's team were once again safely in position. They were not trying to regain the lead, but moved more slowly and cautiously than before. Okay, this chapter starts off with Clan Ordo celebrating their victory in battle. They place all the fallen Mandalorians together in a ceremonial fire. They were all Mandalorians and they died in battle, so they deserved to be honored. After the festival, Revan goes back to their tent and gets ready for the next day's climb. They gotta climb the Twin Peaks, or at least the one side with the tomb in it. A few minutes later, Candorus comes into the tent. Revan is like, hey, you're not spending the night with Vila? Candra says she's mad at him. I wonder why. Revan asked what she was going to do. Candra says she will either let it go or kill them both on tomorrow's climb. Vila seems like the woman that you wouldn't want to, you know, cross, wouldn't want to be on the bad side. As the next day comes, they start getting ready to climb. And it's not a good day to climb. There's a butt ton of wind and snow. There was eight people in total. Five basculus riders, Vila, Candras, and Revan. They set up in two teams of four. Vila and three of the basculus riders, then Candras, Revan, and the other two riders. As they climb, one of Vila's team slips. They're all tied together so he doesn't die. And Vila's team must climb back down to get him because he got all kind of tangled up and stuff. And that's about where we're at. So let's get back to see what else happens. Two hours later, Revan's team reached the top. Candorus was first, planting his feet firmly. He reached down to grab Revan's arm and haul him up. Revan did the same for the woman trailing behind him, and she did the same for the man behind her. The top of the first spear was a featureless plateau of slick ice, covered by a thin dusting of snow. Looking across the gap between the two spears, Revan could see that the other summit was as bare and featureless as this one. Now what? 
Candorous shouted over the roar of the wind. If this is the right peak, there should be an entrance around here somewhere, Revan yelled back. A gust of wind shoved him sideways, and he almost stumbled. An entrance to what? Revan only shrugged. His vision hadn't shown him what he and Malak had discovered, and no more memories had bubbled to the surface during their climb. They all set their backpacks on the ground and started a grid pattern search over the plateau's surface. It didn't take them long to find what they were looking for. Near the center of the plateau, under a dusting of snow, was a small, durasteel hatch. Revan grabbed the handle and pulled hard, calling on the force to give him strength when he felt his muscles beginning to strain. Slowly, reluctantly, the heavy cover swung open to reveal a ladder leading down into darkness. You stay here and wait for Vila, Candorous ordered the other two Mandalorians. We'll go down and check it out. He retrieved several glow sticks from his backpack on the ground, along with a blaster pistol. Revan didn't have a weapon in his pack. Everyone on the climb already knew he was a Jedi, and he was confident the lightsaber at his belt would be enough to deal with anything they ran into. Not that he expected any trouble. It was hard to imagine a more remote, isolated, and inhospitable location. It was easy to see why he had decided to hide Mandalore's mask here. But where was here, exactly? Why was there a secret underground chamber built into the sphere? And how had he and Malak found it in the first place? Candorous walked over to the hatch and dropped one of the glow sticks into it. It tumbled down, illuminating the length of the shaft as it fell. It stopped some thirty meters below, bouncing, rolling, and then settling on the ground. After you, Candorous said. As Revan began the long descent, his mind started to spin. Brief flashes of dormant memories exploded into his consciousness, only to vanish before he could fully grasp them. He had an overwhelming sense of deja vu. He knew with certainty he and Malak had explored the dark chamber beneath the ice, just as he and Candorous were exploring it now. The sights and sounds of his previous visit blended with his current surroundings, the images overlapping one another, obscuring his vision and making him dizzy. It got so bad that Revan had to close his eyes, clinging to the rungs of the ladder with a tense grip. You okay? Candorous asked from a few meters above. His voice echoed loudly off the rough-hewn rock walls. My past is catching up with me, Revan explained, shaking his head to dispel the vertigo. He waited a few more seconds, and when he opened his eyes again, everything had returned to normal. Taking a deep breath, he continued downward until he reached the bottom. The shaft ended in a tight, twisting tunnel that continued horizontally. Resisting the urge to draw his lightsaber, Revan pulled out another glow stick and started down the passage. Candorous followed close behind. The tunnel was narrow, forcing them to walk single file, but the ceiling was high enough that even Candorous didn't have to duck. It didn't take long for Revan to realize that they were walking on a slight decline, going ever deeper into the heart of the spear. The air around them grew warmer, causing them to unbutton their jackets and lower their hoods. As they continued on, Revan began to feel the unmistakable presence of the dark side. His hand dropped to his lightsaber at his belt, but he relaxed as he realized that the sensation was too faint to signify an immediate threat. Once the force had been strong in this place, but over time 
many decades or even centuries, it had faded away to little more than a memory. Eventually, the passage brought them into a large circular chamber hewn from the rock. Easily thirty meters across, the chamber was empty, save for a large stone crypt in the center. What is this place? Candorus whispered. I think it's the burial chamber of an ancient Sith Lord, Revan answered. Like the tombs on Korriban. Why would they bury him here in this frozen wasteland? To his own surprise, Revan knew the answer to that question. He was in exile. He fled here with a handful of his fanatically loyal followers many centuries ago. When he died, they carved out this secret chamber to inter him so his enemies couldn't find and desecrate his remains. How do you know that? Revan shrugged. I just know. Malik and I came here looking for this crypt. Something must have told us about it. You mean someone like Mandalore? Another memory came crashing in on Revan, triggered by the words of his friend. Mandalore the Ultimate lay dying at his feet. Coughing on the blood welling up in his lungs, he reached up and peeled off his mask, the most sacred symbol of his people. It wasn't supposed to end like this, he said, his voice soft and low. They promised me victory. <coughs> Only now do I see how I was betrayed. Revan tilted his head to the side, puzzled. What are you talking about? <coughs> they tricked me. We were never meant to win this war. They used me and my people to test the Republic's strength. Who used you? The... <laughs> Sith. The recollection ended abruptly, slipping quickly back into Revan's subconscious. But in bubbling up to the surface, it had released a host of other trapped memories, and they crashed over Revan like a wave, staggering him. I remember, he muttered placing his hand on the wall for support. I remember. What? Candorus asked anxiously. What do you remember? Revan didn't answer. Instead, he crossed the chamber to the sarcophagus in the center. Carved into the granite sides was an interweaving pattern of circles and diagonal lines, most likely a family crest or seal. The tomb's heavy stone lid was smooth and unadorned, but as Revan drew closer... He could see marks and scratches along the edges, signs that it had been moved several times. Reaching up to the force, Revan focused on the lid. After a moment, it began to move. The edge grated along the lip of the lower half of the sarcophagus as it slowly rose into the air. Careful not to let the heavy lid drop, he moved it off to the side and gently lowered it to the floor. He stepped onto the sarcophagus and peered inside. There were no remains to be seen. The enemies of the anonymous Sith Lord in the tomb must have found him after all, stealing his mummified corpse for some dark and twisted purpose. The missing body didn't come as a surprise to Revan, and he suddenly remembered that he and Malak had also found the sarcophagus empty. But they hadn't left it that way. Inside was a datacron, a small cube similar to the holocrons used by the Jedi and Sith to record their teachings for future generations. However, unlike those powerful artifacts, the Datacron was not created using the Force. 
It was simply a repository of information. But Revan barely looked at the Datacron. His attention was gripped by the object that lay beside it. Mandalore's mask. And as he reached in and picked up the sacred relic, his mind flashed back to the moment he had left it there. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. So Mandalore was telling the truth, Malik said. Did you really think his last words would be a lie? Revan asked. Now what? We have our proof, Revan said. The Sith are not extinct. They have to be stopped. What about the Mandalorians? Without the mask, they are nothing, Revan said, placing the mask inside the empty sepulcher. The memory ended, rudely snapping Revan back to the present. He lifted the mask and held it aloft so Kanderus could see. The big man walked slowly toward him, as if in a daze. He didn't speak, but as he approached, his hands came up almost involuntarily, his fingers reaching out toward the lost symbol of his people. Neither noticed Bila and the others enter the chamber. How dare you defile Mandalore's mask with your filthy Jedi hands! Bela shouted, breaking the spell that had momentarily enthralled the two men. Revan looked up to see her standing at the cavern's entrance, flanked by the other climbers. All six Mandalorians were armed with blaster pistols, their muzzles aimed directly at the two men standing by the crypt. Bela! Cadarus demanded. What do you think you're doing? Put the mask down and step away from the crypt! she commanded, ignoring him. Moving slowly so as not to alarm anyone, Revan placed the mask back in the crypt. Have no fought beside us, Kenderus protested. He led us to Mandalore's mask, and you repay him with a betrayal? Vila barked out a harsh laugh. <laughs> Who are you to talk of betrayal? You turned your back on your people. And for what? To throw your lot in with Revan the Butcher? When did you figure it out? Kandorus asked, not bothering to deny the truth. Once he revealed himself to be a Jedi, it was obvious, she said with a sneer. Especially with that name. Do you really think rearranging Revan into Abner would fool us? This isn't about him, Kandorus said. It's about me, isn't it? Vila bit down hard on her lip, but didn't answer. I'm not here to claim the mask for myself, Candorus assured her. You're the rightful leader of Clan Aldo. I'm not here to challenge you. <laughs> you still don't get it, Vila said, shaking her head. You should be our leader, not me. You are our greatest warrior. You are our champion, our hero. When Mandalore fell, you should have been the one to take his place. She looked at him sadly. Instead... You abandoned us. You abandoned me. I'm sorry, Kendra said softly. When our clan fell apart, I was lost. I had to get away. 
I didn't know what else to do. You could have stayed and helped piece it back together, Bela insisted, her voice cracking slightly as she lowered the blaster in her hand. Seen Vatine, Kendra said. I can't undo the past, but I'm here now. That's why I didn't tell the others in the camp, she admitted. I didn't want to destroy your reputation by telling them you fell in with Revan. You didn't tell them because you're afraid they'd agree with me, Candorus countered. Revan is not our enemy. Not now. Without him, Clan Gendry would have slaughtered us. Without him, we never would have found Mandalore's mask. Revan has proven himself to be our brother. And what you're doing brings dishonor on our clan. No! Bela insisted. You're wrong. Clan Ordo might accept a Jedi, but not him! Anyone but him! There's only one way to be sure. We let the whole clan decide. That's not an option, Bela replied, raising her blaster back up. Revan cannot leave this chamber alive. You know Revan's reputation, Kandorus warned. And mine. There may be six of you, but do you really think you have a chance against us both? We're not here to kill you, Bela told him. Just him. And you expect me to stand by and do nothing? I expect you to join us, Bela shouted. You are Mandalorian. Clan Ordo is your family, not Revan. You have to choose. Him or us. It doesn't have to be this way, Kandorus said evenly. Lower your weapons. End this madness. We'll take Mandalore's mask back down to the camp together. This is your last chance, Kandorus, Vila said. Choose! Her hand was trembling, making it difficult for her to aim. But the other five held their blasters steady and true. You can't win this battle, Revan said quietly, speaking more to the others than Vila. We killed dozens of Jedi during the war, Vila answered grimly. I'm no ordinary Jedi. Vila, Kandorus pleaded. Please, don't do this. Her shoulders slumped, and she let out a sigh of resignation. <sighs> Kill them both. Revan was in motion, his lightsaber flashing to life before the words had finished spilling from her mouth. As Vila and two of the others, reacting slightly faster than the rest, fired their blasters, the green blade transformed into a spinning, twirling blur as he used it to deflect their bolts back in the direction of the shooters. One of the deflected bolts struck its mark, taking down the woman on Vila's left. Candorus and Revan dived for cover behind the sarcophagus just as the other Mandalorians opened fire. Candorus popped up briefly to fire, sending the Mandalorians breaking for cover. There were precious few places to hide in the open chamber, however, and Candorus took two of them down before they made it to safety. Vila and the other two survivors scrambled back into the passage near the chamber entrance, ducking out of sight around the corner to regroup. A second later, a trio of grenades skittered across the floor, bouncing and rolling to a stop near the base of the sarcophagus. The instant before they detonated, Revan reached up with the force and hurled the heavy stone lid of the sarcophagus toward the grenades. It acted as a shield, absorbing the worst of the blast before exploding into pebbles of dust. 
explosion was deafening, though. The concussive force strong enough to knock both Candorus and Revan off their feet. As Revan struggled to stand up, the only sound he could hear was a high-pitched ringing in his ears. Vila and her team seized the advantage and charged into the room, blaster pistols blazing. All three aimed at Revan, who just barely rolled clear in time. From the corner of his eye, he saw Candorus lying on his stomach, arms stretched out in front of him to brace his pistol on the floor as he took a careful aim. An instant later, Vila went down from a green kill shot. Their attention drawn for just an instant by the body of their leader tumbling to the floor, the two remaining Mandalorians faltered. Revan used that moment to unleash a sidearm crow of his lightsaber. The blade went spinning out in a wide, arcing path that ended both their lives before they could move. Revan adeptly caught his lightsaber by its hilt as it returned to his hand, then slowly stood up straight, his ears still ringing. Nearby, Kandoras still lay on the floor frozen in the same position he had been in moments earlier. Slowly, Revan approached him, trying to see if he was injured. The big man didn't move until Revan reached down and placed a hand on his shoulder. Then Candorus snapped his head around in surprise. He mouthed something, but Revan couldn't hear what he was saying, so he only shrugged in response. Candorus pushed himself up off his stomach and onto his feet, leaving his pistol on the ground walked over to where Vila lay face down on the floor and rolled her over. Her eyes were wide, gazing unseeing up at the ceiling. Tenderly, he closed the lids, then folded her hands over her chest. Then he stood up straight and turned away, staring off into an empty corner of the chamber. After a few minutes, Revan went over to stand beside him. I'm sorry. His voice sounded strange to him. His hearing was still distorted by the grenade, and wasn't sure if Candorus had heard him. I I'm sorry, he repeated this time more loudly. Candorus turned his head to look at him. Me too, he answered, before turning to stare back at the wall, his words hollow and flat. Me too. So Revan and Candorus reach the top first. After getting the rest of their team to the top, Revan starts to look around for the door to the crypt. After finding it, he and Candorus go down into the crypt, leaving the other two to wait for Vila and her team. As they enter, more of Revan's memories return. He tells Candorus that the crypt belonged to a Sith Lord. Candorus is like, how do you know that? Who told you that? Then the memories of Mandalore dying at his feet and telling Revan that the Sith Lord told him to attack the Republic. So him and Malachi came here in search of the proof. They have found the sarcophagus and the Datacron. As Candorus and Revan reach the coffin of the Sith Lord, Revan then uses the force to lift the lid and found Mandalore's mask and the Datacron. That him and Malachi left, Revan lifts the mask and shows it to Candorus. But neither of them see Vila and the others come into the room. Vila snaps at Revan and tells him to get his filthy Jedi hands off of Mandalore's mask. Candorus and Revan step back away from the coffin. Candorus asks Vila why her and the others are pointing their weapons at them. Vila reveals that she knew that Abner was Revan. She was like, come on, what do you think? We're stupid. You just switched the letters around. And they were going to take the mask and kill Revan. Candorus is like, uh, you ain't, you ain't about to kill my boy. That's my dude, man. He just helped us out. And you're going to kill him? 
He pleads for her to stop, but she basically says him or me. And she says there's no way that they can let Revan leave the crypt. Revan is like, you should have brought more people. Canters tells her there's no way that they can beat him and Revan. She says that they beat a whole bunch of Jedis. And he was like, I'm not no ordinary Jedi. I'm like the most powerful Jedi that there is. You can't beat us. She says, you want to bet? And they start shooting. And within moments, Vila and the Basculus riders are dead. Canters is heartbroken after killing his wife. But what could he do? And that's where the chapter ends. You have to tune in to chapter 14 to find out what happens next. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.